The following edited podcast has been declassified by the Bonsai Institute for Biomedical Engineering and Strategic Information. This thing's called Five Minutes of Bonsai, right? Welcome all Hong Kong Cavaliers, Blue Blazer Regulars, Radar Rangers, Kaladni Brothers, and Rug Suckers to 5 Minutes of Bonsai, the only podcast on the internet that discusses the W.D. Richter cult classic, The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension, 5 Minutes at a Time. I'm Josh Horowitz from the Wing Kong Exchange and 5 Minutes of Trouble podcast, and my co-host is a soldier with enough decorations to snap a Christmas tree while holding his fudge <laughs> together, Brett Stillo. <laughs> Well, you, you knew I was wearing my bathrobe with all the medals on it. It's amazing. <laughs> shiny. It's, it is rather shiny. It is rather shiny. How are you doing, co-host? I'm doing pretty well, co-host. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Uh, I guess I see that we've got some... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I stepped on your line. Oh, this is oh, no. terrible. This is terrible. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll edit this out. It'll be perfect in post. Okay, it'll be perfect in post. Uh, I guess it's just you and me this week isn't it or do we have any guests i don't no, see anybody no, we, around we, we we do have some guests actually yeah, oh, we're, really? we're continuing our our indiana jones minute uh uh what do you call this thing <laughs> guests, <laughs> our, our mini indiana series jones minute theme <laughs> I suppose it is. it's a lifetime movie yeah, yeah our indiana <laughs> jones lifetime, lifetime movie, movie. Yeah. a television event well, we, well, we are uh, bringing back uh, Indiana Jones Minute and uh, also Five Minutes of Trouble uh, previous guests, uh, Pete Mummert and Jerry Porter. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very nice to be back. Thanks for you having us. You didn't recognize me. I was uh, over in the corner in my back machine in the, with my uh, Indiana Jones Minute cuffs on my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your traction device. Them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, so I, you guys have been very busy. I, I know uh, that, that, Pete, you've been on several podcasts uh, in addition to Indiana Jones Minute, and, and Jerry, certainly you've been, you've been up to a lot of things, I'm sure. Yeah, I've done a few of the uh, a few guest spots on podcasts, so we try and do them whenever we can. Nothing like uh, the, the golden tones of Brett and Josh, though. You guys are special. <laughs> golden tones. Wow. No, no, we, we, we had uh, your, your colleague Tom on last week, and uh, he's the one who has the golden tones. We, we just, uh, we're just in his shadow. That's true. We, did, we didn't figure out that he had such a mellifluous voice until about halfway through yeah. like season two. It was like, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this guy makes us sound terrible yeah. every single episode. <laughs> exactly. I'm all nasally and have a lisp. <laughs> Every time I hear him, I think it's 1948, and I want to buy a pack of cigarettes. Mmm, that smooth menthol taste. <laughs> the best part about that is I've known him for so long, and he would do that, but only as a joke. Like, that voice that he uses now, like, that that would just be his way of saying, you know, it would joke. It'd be like... But mom, if we leave for school now, I'll be on time. <laughs> and then it's like that's become this this great golden tone. But he's not kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nice. Yeah, Buckaroo Banzai. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your experience uh, seeing this film for the first time. I don't remember seeing this film for the first time. Uh, hmm. 
but I, I do. It's, it's been a favorite of mine for a while now. Like not a favorite. I mean, it's been a movie that I've, I've always loved and I just, I love coming back to, and it just seems like such a good hearted, fun movie that like that they don't really make a lot of movies like this. And it just, it's weird and it's quirky and it's fun. And it, every time I watch it, I smile. Did you have that uh, feeling the first time you saw it or did you kind of feel that you didn't get it and you kind of had to watch it a couple more times? Yeah, I, it didn't click. I think the first time it didn't click for me mm. until that very last scene when they're walking through the uh, the Los Angeles River. Mm. And then it like something about that scene, it just seems magical to me. And, I, and I'm not sure what, what it is about that scene. But as soon as that came on, it's like, I got to see this again. Hmm. That's, that's interesting you say that. And, and certainly we'll talk about that when we get to that point. But yeah, I, when, when I have my earliest memories of this film, it's really that end scene that I remember the most mm-hmm. and just remember liking it and thought it was kind of cool. It had a catchy melody. You know, you see the characters and uh, yeah, that, that maybe that alone is enough to have people go and watch it again. Asterios, unfortunately, didn't get to those last eight minutes. <laughs> no. I think if he had seen the ending, oh. he would have been a little, a little different in his opinion. Yes. And something about that ending really captures like that whole 80s MTV kind of hmm. new wave vibe. Like something about oh it just really... Oh, my God. <laughs> we're gonna go get stuff done <laughs> we're gonna go conquer some things <laughs> who's coming with me i am i mean it's just like oh my god and like it's just you're like i you know everybody i'm sure has velcro shoes on Yes, you know what I mean. I don't need no laces, me neither. I mean, it's, it's the '80s. Like, we don't yep. need laces. Exactly. Yeah. I'm impressed well, you know that you know the lyrics that. to the Buckaroo Banzai March. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not well published. Who wants to kick yeah. some ass? I mean, it's just... <laughs> this is this is me doing the long bomb of tangents. But you guys are aware that you know so many TV themes have lyrics to them that mm-hmm. you know are not you know are not readily known but like hogan's heroes for example has a you know there's lyrics to them and just yeah. so yeah i'd like to think the buckaroo bonsai march has those exact lyrics <laughs> who's gonna get stuff done <laughs> we are <laughs> i want to see the holiday special where uh penny pretty sings it oh nice yeah <laughs> nice holiday special with Penny's mother played by Angie Dickinson. That's just that's <laughs> oh. some fan fiction I'm working on. Oh, that'd be great. That I never realized Ellen Barkin is and Angie Dickinson and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, huh. I think I that works. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, Jerry, do you know that they originally marched to Uptown Girl when they were filming it, but they couldn't get the rights or something to it, so that's when it it changed. So. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I wow. recall, the theme hadn't been written yet. It wasn't done. Oh, yeah. So they were just shooting that, and um, I don't know if uh, the soundtrack composer Michael Boddicker had, you know, gave him a, a clue about the tempo or something like that, or they just went with Uptown Girl. But uh, yeah, in fact, our good friend Jim O'Kane, I think, mm. did a little video where he's got, you know, he put Uptown Girl to the march at the end. So uh, yeah, but every matches. time he, he plays <laughs> it, you have to pay Billy Joel a nickel. So that sucks. <laughs> nickel. <laughs> a whole nickel nickels 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 <laughs> well jerry what about you what's your experience uh, seeing this one for the first time uh you know i just watched this movie for the first time 
two nights ago. All right. And and Great. yeah, and yes. um <laughs> I, I remember here's what's crazy. I remember in nineteen eighty five when uh the movie was on I believe it was HBO. My mm-hmm. friend had HBO and it was on HBO nonstop, like two or three times a day. And it was always on. It was always on HBO. And I always wanted to watch it. It was the sort of thing I first encountered it. uh, You know, I saw the cover at the video store. I'm like, this looks amazing. You know, and and I and I always just assumed it was this um, science fiction movie like or I thought it was like, you know, remember that Remo Williams Yes. Yes, I thought it, I thought yes. it was like something like that. Like I liked yeah. that when I was I don't know ten or whatever. It's a, it's like a god awful movie, but I thought it was something like that, and I was like, I'm gonna love this. This will be perfect. I yeah, can't wait titles. to watch this. Yeah, isn't it like Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. The Adventure Begins, <laughs> and I thought it was just it kind of. I knew nothing about the movie, and I swear to God, I did. I had no idea. I I just kept that. Um, I kept that idea in my head about what this movie was about up until two nights ago. I had no idea that it was anything like it was at all. And then I watched the movie and I'm like, huh, something smells funny. (laughs) 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 And then I'm reading all about it and I'm like, oh, of course it's the same director as, you know, uh, the, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. I'm like, all this stuff makes sense. That's why I've been invited back on this show. And they totally... (laughs) It's like you guys, uh, you know... And so I had an idea, like, when I... You know, in the first 10 or 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, this is going to be not just your regular science fiction 80s movie or whatever. Yeah, that was the tie-in. Yeah. D. Richter, who... He uh, he scripted Big Trouble in Little China, taking the uh, the original Western and making it a the modern day version. Yeah, and yeah, this was his first time directorial debut. Uh, though though he didn't write this one. Uh, he didn't. Uh, okay. Earl, Earl yeah. Mac Roush uh, was the one who who wrote this, but they they collaborated very closely, I believe. I mean, within the the first fifteen minutes, I knew why you guys were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they kept uh, theorizing during Big Trouble in Little China that this took place in the same universe. Actually, the real reason why we invited you back to talk about this movie is there's a scene earlier where uh, in a nightclub, a drummer pulls out an Uzi. And we just wanted to ask if ever at a gig you ever pulled out an Uzi. <laughs> no, I've never pulled out an Uzi at a gig, but I did watch that uh closely i watched the you know the the band on stage and i was <laughs> i was like this is that perfect example of like it's like 80s blues yeah yeah you're like yeah. where is this <laughs> hard <laughs> like, rocking 80s blues yeah movie. exactly yeah. And you're kind of like you know i mean you're like you, you think about it you're like god the delta must be on fire right now if this, <laughs> this is where like kind of blues it's there's something kind of bluesy about it and and in all the sort of bad ways it's, but i it, love the the drummers playing a classic 80s kit which here's the irony at the time it's i'm sure it's meant to look it's like 1984 it's it's those are simmons those are electric. They're Simmons electric drums, and so they look like super space agey. Yeah. Oh my God! You know what I mean? Like he, he's playing a spaceship, and <laughs> and you know now you see those today, and you're like, oh, that's completely retro. 
Hmm. Like that's a that's that's you know those drums. Like if you had that kit now, it'd be worth pretty good money because you know they're hard to find in that sort of nice condition. He's got a big kit set up, and hmm. <laughs> you just you don't see those full sets unless you're like, if I think it maybe if you're on tour with Saint Vincent. <laughs> I think I think maybe that dude may have used Simmons. I mean, that would be the type of gig where you're just so hip and so dope, and just you're like, I'm just gonna play these Simmons that everybody's forgotten about for the last thirty years. <laughs> There's a story we heard from Billy Vera, uh, Pinky Carruthers, that nobody knows or can remember who the drummer was. <laughs> and uh, oh, that's typical. Yeah. So I, I'd like to think maybe he's touring with St. Vincent right now with those very same Simmons drums. <laughs> and the Uzi. And the Uzi, and of course. Uzi, yeah. And I'd like to think if we went to a St. Vincent concert where maybe there was some kind of an altercation, yeah, she'd pull out, uh, you know, a Colt 45 and the bass player would have a, you know, a Walter PPK. You know, she, she, she sort of seems like, you know, a performer who'd uh, keep her band armed. Sure, sure. Well, and let me just say, I mean, look, if you're if you're playing Simmons, I mean, you're killing it. <laughs> yeah, I got. There's nothing wrong with these drums on a gig. That means you did your homework. See, and that's why we asked you back. So thanks for the info about the drums. And so anyway, Pete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So sh- well, should we get into the minutes? Yeah, sure. The minutes in question. Any yeah. and any questions before we start? Are there, I have a question. Sure. Yes. So, so they're you know they're in this eighth dimension. Why do they pick the eighth dimension in the movie? Because seven, eight, nine. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> aren't there, I think are there are there I can't remember and I'm not good at this, but aren't there technically eleven dimensions? Is that right? Eleven. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, the the eighth dimension that's mentioned in this film is basically like the Phantom Zone in Superman. It's this kind okay. of, you know, holding place between dimensions where they put bad guys and electron microscope stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, why eight? Why eighth dimension? There is a reason why they picked the eighth dimension. Mm. I just can't remember it right now. Mm. And minutes after this podcast goes live, we're going to know why. <laughs> we're gonna have that answer if you can wait just a little a few weeks we'll have of course numerous answers about why it was the eighth dimension um but yeah well, sure they'll mention that on the uh on the bunkhouse on yeah. facebook sure well i like that the uh the the bb on the side of uh of bonsai's car looks like an eight eight so it's almost mm-hmm. like it, it's preordained that they're going to go to the eighth dimension ah yeah, oh, I noticed that. Is that that's what I was wondering? Is it an eight eight or is it two infinity signs? Oh. Oh. I think all of the above. I think BB eight eight uh, in the club the they're playing Rocket eighty eight. That that is Ike Turner, his Rocket eighty eight done in a you know yeah that blues with three Z's eighties style. Um, <laughs> yeah. So eighty eight keys because of the keys. piano music. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it, it all it's it's all cyclical. It all comes together. And yeah, double infinity. I never thought of that one before. That's nice. I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it all works. That was a great episode. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got a question. Yes. Oh. What's with the sugar cube that Doctor Lazardo's eating? Oh wait, wait. We'll get to it. Let's okay. actually. That's a good segue to get into this thing. So we're actually talking about uh, minutes seventy through seventy-five of Buckaroo Bonsai. 
And minute 70 starts with Dr. Lazardo hanging up on Buckaroo Banzai and, yes, holding onto a sugar cube, it seems. And uh, they end with John Warfin doing his best Mussolini impression for his red <laughs> electroid minions. So now we can talk about the sugar cube or whatever that happens to be in Yo-Yo Dine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, I think you do know, Josh. Uh, I don't know. To me, it seems just very Italian. Like huh. maybe Lithgow and his Italian tailor, they went out for lattes or something like that. <laughs> I, I'm picturing him with a, taking that sugar cube and, and like, you know, scooping the foam off a cappuccino <laughs> with it and then yeah, just kind of nibbling that. on it. That just seems like something very, uh, you know, uh, uh, something you would do in Napoli in an open cafe. Yeah. Well, see, so, I, now, now he spent all this time in a, a ward for the criminally insane. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe he was taking pills. Mm -hmm. And is, is it possible that this is some sort of uh, like a placebo pill and he just got used to it? Oh. Yeah, that's possible. Or, or yeah. maybe they were just giving him sugar pills as a that's placebo. What, yeah. In yeah, that, that, that's what uh -huh. it is. Yeah. Or may, maybe the sort of thing they're saying, well, this is going to make you uh, act normal or, you know, pee <laughs> yellow or yeah. whatever they, they're telling him. And he just believes it. And it happens to be a sugar cube. Yeah. I mean, also, you just look at his teeth and yeah, this guy has uh, a sugar problem. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. then we go from sugar to honey. When he's telling, uh, he's telling his his hench, he's telling John John Big Booty and John O'Connor to mm -hmm. use more honey, and it's the, it's a big deal with these ants. And I was curious about the ants too. And I was like, it, it got me wondering if this has some kind of a tie-in with Crystal Skull, because you have the, you have the crazy <laughs> the ants. fire ants and Crystal Skull. You've got trans-dimensional <laughs> beings. I don't know. Maybe, Man, maybe you just we're... you just can't wait to get to that one. Can you? <laughs> you have a whole year, and it's like, no, let's talk about it now. Skip um, out of the way. Yeah. But uh, well, I, I, those are interesting corollaries. I I sort of wish they'd have taken more of a cue from Buckaroo Banzai. And yeah, um, <laughs> I'll just I'll just say it right now. Uh, Emilio Lazardo versus Indiana Jones. That would have been fun. <laughs> but you know that's another universe and another time but yeah uh, well do you like his old school villainy when he says take her to the pit absolutely I yeah <laughs> just something out of a 1930s 1940s yeah. serial totally. yeah i gotta say as i was reviewing these minutes and this first minute with with lazardo warfin and i got i gotta love the the shoulder holster he's wearing it's got this whole sort of gangster effect <laughs> looking at him there was something that was bothering me unnerving me uh -huh. about his presence his hair his clothes and i think i finally just realized he looks like that that strange lesser known anomaly in pop culture the elder goth <laughs> <laughs> we all had this friend in high school or college he was the alternative gothy guy and yeah you know and in, in 89 he was cool and he was in all, under all these british bands you'd never heard about and then you see him like 18 years later and he hasn't changed a bit i was gonna say P pete and i going to uh, college together we had that guy at the end of the hallway you remember who it was pete oh that's right yeah jeremy it was jeremy i remember what we used to call him scaramy exactly <laughs> yeah scaramy he was he was he was that guy that goth guy that uh he seemed a little bit older at the time and 
you know, all that. And then I can guarantee he hasn't changed at all. Yeah. He's your elder goth today. Sort of the, the 12 o'clock shadow and then yeah. the sunken yeah. eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. He, had, he had the big, long sort of uh, the trench coat looking uh-huh. thing. Yep. And, <laughs> and scare me sounds exactly like something uh, Dr. Lizardo would say, too. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, scare me! Scare me! Scare me! But uh, yeah, it's it's this whole sort of you know post-punk Norma Desmond. I've still got it. I'm still out there. I'm still alternative. Like no, you're just. I think you're just using a cheaper hair dye, and you really need to do something about your teeth and those buckle boots. Need with the duct tape around them. I think you need to get a new pair of buckle boots and just. I don't know, man. It's it's not the '80s anymore, and it hasn't been for a long, long, long time. Take her to the pit. (laughs) To the pit. yeah, use more honey. <laughs> yeah, which I, I, I doubt you'll find another movie out there that that uses that as a threat. <laughs> That's hilarious. But I, I, you know, I thought about that line. I thought, well, they're torturing her, but they're trying to get answers out of her, right? And so answers? I wondered, answers, answers. That's good, answers. And I wondered, maybe he thought they're being too harsh. You know, hmm. to like use more honey. Like, be sweeter. <laughs> like, if you're a little nicer, maybe she'll give you she'll give you what you're looking for. Like, Ooh. use more honey. Oh. Yeah, attract a fly with honey. That's exactly. Cool. So Lazardo's actually playing good cop here. It crossed my mind. Yeah. Like, that works for me. When did the Jesus and Mary Chain song come out? Was that the same year as Bonsai, or was that a year later? Oh, which Jesus and Mary Chain song? Honey, just like honey. Oh. Or- this would be about the same time. I think that was 85. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, they sort of look like, at that time, uh, you know, what Lazardo would have looked like 15, 20 years earlier. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. see that's the before and after thing. And I think there is a strange anomaly in time and space. <laughs> well, moving on from our friends at Yo-Yo Dine, we now go back to World Watch 1. And this is the scene where Buckaroo gives his A-team style briefing to the team, some of who have uh, noticed that they've got that eye black on their faces. Yeah. Yeah. The war paint. The war paint. It kind of reminded me, uh, you know, we we have Jeff Goldblum in this scene, certainly. Yeah. When I I watched this, having watched him in Thor, it kind of reminded me of the face decorations that Jeff Goldblum wears in that movie. Oh, yeah. Gosh, you kind of wonder if there might have been some, you know, that was a slight nod. Yeah. uh, Well... Should I get out the gold uh, the gold bloomometer, Josh? Oh well, we're 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 going to okay. We still have to. Okay. We just have to to get to the point where we start talking about the uh, when he takes his puff. I, I uh, don't I don't mean to be so pushy with it, but I mean I am on batteries right now. But we can please continue. I'll, uh, do Do you know about the gold bloomometer, guys? No. Well, the Bonsai Institute was kind enough to loan us uh, a piece of very important equipment, the gold bloomometer. <laughs> and it basically uh, measures the amount of gold bloom that Jeff Goldblum is emitting in a scene. <laughs> Name your favorite Jeff Goldblum movie, your favorite scene in that movie, and we can we can register just how much gold bloom gold bloom is gold blooming in this particular scene. So uh, you know we've as a scientific study and sort of doing some beta testing, we've been using the gold bloomometer. Uh, throughout this this uh, production to see just where you know how much gold bloom is gold bloom gold blooming in certain scenes. <laughs> wow, that's really good. I, yeah. You want you want to know my 
Je- uh, okay, so name a movie with Jeff Goldblum and a scene from that movie, and you guys will. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I okay. Can... Um, I have one. Okay, well, let me hold on. Let me turn on the Goldblum. Fire her up. Okay, yeah, we're going here. Okay. They put this info in. The okay. fly. Ooh. The fly. And it's gotcha. the scene where he's having sex with Gina Davis. Whoa, whoa! I'm getting a real spike here on that one. <laughs> yeah, because it's also, i mean, it's also they were a couple, so yes. you know, is it—is it actually them actually doing it? I'm, yeah. I'm getting—I'm getting a 9.90. Wow. 9.9. Wow. <laughs> wow. Go it. Yeah, that—that that, that scene always freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. I hold <laughs> a little smoke here. Hold on. I'm going <laughs> to—I'm just going to just turn it down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't get to 10. Because oh, once yeah. it gets to 10, the universe winks out of existence. <laughs> I had—I had a huge crush on uh, Gina Davis in that movie in that Ooh. era. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I think it was 88, maybe. That's a that's a that's a that's a good actress to have a crush on. Yeah, that's good. It's interesting the the data I'm getting here from the Goldblumometer. There's this whole graph that shows shows some you know some remorse over you know his failed relationship with Gina Davis. Oh. <laughs> so you know there's a whole there's some regret here. Like oh Gina and me we had a good thing. That's oh. hilarious. <laughs> you know I, I have a question for you guys. I, I I did not know Jeff Goldblum was in this. Okay, because I knew nothing about Buckaroo Banzai. Mm-hmm. And um, whenever you see a movie, actually, whenever Jeff Goldblum is in a movie, is he ever acting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah he, he is like that in real life. I mean, I, I can say it from firsthand account. I had a chance to meet Jeff Goldblum, and wow. he is like he seems in his movies. So it's so if if surreal. you're a director or producer, how do you know <laughs> if you're going to make the fall the call to Jeff Goldblum? You're like, you know what this movie's missing? Jeff Goldblum. You're like, well, well, for for what actor? You're like, no, I'm not talking about an actor. <laughs> we just we need Jeff Goldblum in there. Yeah. Well, when you guys mentioned the the recent Thor movie, you probably know this, but yeah. Um, you know, and I'm blanking on the filmmaker's name, but he basically totally wrote that with, with Goldblum in mind. You know, when he was writing every line, he was like, oh, yeah, Jeff would say this. Jeff would say that. <laughs> that's no, I mean, he, I I'm mean, not surprised. I mean, yeah. how, I, that's, I, that's not even a rhetorical question. I just wonder, <laughs> it, it, does Jeff Goldblum act? I, I love Jeff Goldblum. He's amazing, but I don't, he's... There's he no one is. really like him. Yeah, yeah he just yeah. is. Yeah, that's a really good question because I mean, yeah, there's there we could we could sit here for the next half hour and talk about, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood, and mm-hmm. it's you know he's sort of always doing Clint yeah, Eastwood. That's and, true. Uh, but... Harrison Ford, always doing Harrison Ford. But I feel like he at least has a range of movies, like you know, obviously Indiana Jones to. and Witness. Yeah. yeah, he used to yeah. less so these days. And people mm. say that about like Robert De Niro is or, or Jack Nicholson. They they kind of are always doing, or at least the majority of those films, they're doing a certain thing. But Jeff Goldblum, I. I just I don't even know if he knows he's in a movie. <laughs> I figure he just walks out and does he's just Jeff Goldblum and then he happens yeah. to walk off the set and maybe he gets a check 6 months later. <laughs> you know, actually I'm I'm if I'm recalling Grand Budapest Hotel and I think he plays a lawyer. 
He is a little more sort of formal and Victorian and, you know, huh. it's mm. a little, it's, uh, well, let me actually, let me turn it on. Yeah, turn on the reading. What, yeah. is, what does it say? <laughs> 1.2. Wow. <laughs> In terms of his gold lumosity. So, well, there's the range for you. Yeah. yeah. So, you but know, so there was calibrated. Yeah. So he was more in character as a, you know, as an old world European lawyer and less Goldblum about it. But we, we got some trace yeah. elements of Goldblum there. So, yeah, 1.2. Well, wait, now let's let's get to the scene where, where Goldblum is actually featured here. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the laser tag vests with the snorkel that they have. Are those, in fact, <laughs> laser tag vests? That's amazing. It looks very much like it. I mean, I, I do umpiring for Little League, and so, I mean, I've uh-huh. seen enough of the, uh, like, the chest protectors that they have for, for catcher's equipment, and it doesn't quite look like that. It looked more like what you would see in laser tag, so I wonder. Oh. <laughs> I, I like that he has his uh, New Jersey cowboy costume underneath it, too, it looks like. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, is, that, uh, is that him being a hard-rocking cavalier? Like, did they, did they need a, a country guy, a cowboy guy? Yeah. Well, we, you know, we, we talked about that at length. I think it was... You know, him thinking that, you know, this is how they all dress and then, you know, going there and they're like, no, wait, wait. <laughs> no, yeah, no. he thought he was going to be actually performing with them, I think, when he was yeah. given the, yeah. the offer yeah. back in the operating room at that time. And he took it a little too far. Yeah, he sort of shows up, you know, ready to perform mm-hmm. and uh, not the case. If uh, Kind of going back a few episodes, one thing, bit of trivia I loved is that whole outfit came from the legendary Hollywood Western shop nudies. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. His uh, his belt is a very Pete Mummert belt. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a double belt, right? With one one is red and one is green. Yeah. And they're thin yeah. they're like thin lines, but they, they, they clearly go together. It's like two thin belts, one on top of the other. Man. <laughs> I love that. What, was that, was that hit? I think I think it was hit. Maybe it was the other dude. One no, it wasn't dudes. him. It was uh, uh, Reno. Is the one who it, has. Yeah. The I'm belts. sorry. It was, it was Reno. Reno. It was yeah. Reno. I saw that there was a scene at, at the very end of the movie. I think maybe where they show that, and <laughs> and I'm like, that's Pete Mummer right there. Yeah, Reno is <gasps> definitely a little more my style. Yeah. Than, wow. Did you go through it? Are you still going through a double belt phase? No. You think no. you know a guy, and then you but, find. No, out. that's. <laughs> a, let me be clear. That's only because Pete does have a day job, and he has a day job. If you took that all away, if you gave the, if you gave that kid five million dollars tomorrow morning, there's a double belt. Wow. Wow. I like that. He'd, he'd retire. He'd quit his job. He'd actually show up at his job tomorrow morning in a double belt, <laughs> and he'd be like, "That's it. I'm out." I might have to start calling you double belt. <laughs> or or come DB. up with five million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well back uh back to the minutes. I, I had a comment here that you notice that they have to kind of breathe this gas so that they can actually see the electrodes for what they are. So mm-hmm. my, my question here is couldn't Hakita have just given them the stuff in pipe form? Then they could look upper class and distinguished while they're facing oh. electrodes. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's totally Maybe, true. Maybe not hard rocking enough though. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But then you you don't get the cool vests that look very yeah. sci-fi and, you know. It's a, yeah. I think it, I think it's just about cool hardware. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. Mm. A lot of this yeah. movie is just about cool yeah. accessories. Now, were you guys at all confused when we have all these scenes where it kind of alternates between John Parker's human form and electroid form? I mean, we see, you know, the the POV shot for Buckaroo, you know, because mm-hmm. he's seeing him that way, you know, suddenly you see the electroid and then you know, everybody else sees it the other way. It was super confusing to me when I was a kid. I mean, I get it now, but 
Yeah. What did yeah, you guys I can think? see that. I, it's been a long time, so I don't remember, but I can definitely see being confused. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the whole movie was super confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> well, I read about it, and I read a few reviews of it, and I, it, you know, they they said that you know what one of its charms was that it it doesn't necessarily tie in on many things at all. And I was like, great. <laughs> it was like it wasn't really supposed to be completely coherent. <laughs> it was a little bit of a, a grab bag or smorgasbord of, of yeah. uh, you know, homage and uh, you know different styles and i was like i felt a little better after that yeah. <laughs> next well, year when we invite you back it's uh we're going to do a foreign film about mimes with no dialogue <laughs> <laughs> well there there was a, a a sentence uh uttered in this in this scene here that uh caused me to pause <laughs> if we blow this today there ain't no tomorrow now I, I'm asking you guys: Have you guys ever uttered that or felt that way about a specific day in your life? Hmm. <laughs> like if profound. we blow this today, there ain't no tomorrow. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. I I think I've used similar lines like that in my life, but only when I was playing Dungeons and Dragons, because <laughs> those were the stakes. I sort of remember, you know. You know, those times when I had to make the saving throw, it's like, well, this is it. If I don't make this save, I'm, you know, I'm going to get on my 10 speed and ride home. And uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's that's as close as I can get, I have to admit. <laughs> that's exactly how I felt when we recorded our uh, our first demo episode of Indiana Jones Minute. that's fair i i I still feel that way sometimes (laughs) wow i feel like if i listen to this today there ain't no tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) i will say though if i if i could assume a different look it might be john parker he's one of my favorite characters in movies i i love john parker now with with the rasta look or with yeah not just that but like the silver jacket and the Mm. just his style like he's he's cool is does anybody know um, what his accent is? Lectroid. Well, yes, <laughs> yeah. My, yeah, that's Black true. Lectroid, specifically. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I, I, because I had a stab at it. I mean, I think he's Bijan or you know from the Barbados. Mm. Call it, I guess um, they sometimes refer to that as Bijan. Hmm. Yeah, and it's it was it had to do with uh, somebody explained this to me like, um, if you use my name like Mr. Porter, they, I'm not going to do this well, <laughs> but like the, the R in that case, so it could be like a Mr. Portar. Mm, it's like uh, a little bit of an R okay. as opposed to like some other parts of the Caribbean. It might be an AH like Mr. Porta. Mm-hmm. Is that because Barbados was kind of a pirate hotbed? <laughs> Mr. Portar. Well, Mr. Portar. <laughs> a Mr. Portar. Yeah, as opposed to, uh, well, I think there's a lot of islands that were a pirate hotbed. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a Mr. Portar. So that was, I heard that and I thought, hmm, I wonder if he's sort of channeling, um, uh, you know, an accent from the Barbados. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Cross yeah, my could, mind. Could I, be the uh, actor certainly. Carl Lemley, I think, yeah. uh, was the one who uh, who was doing it. And I've heard him in interviews. I mean, he, he sounds just you know totally straight. So that, yeah. yeah, maybe that was the decision he made. I it's don't a cool know. Accent. Yeah, and as long as we're on the subject of, of Carl Lumley and and John Parker, yeah, one thing I love about 
John Parker is how he acts with his hands throughout this movie. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All, you know, these strange, you know, sort of hand gestures. And it's, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, yeah, he's an alien and he doesn't, he isn't quite sure, you know, how to like say knock on a door. How do <laughs> humans do this? Is it with your, <laughs> yeah. elbows or your elbow? Yeah, sure. I don't know. So, <laughs> well, I could, I've, I've got very shaky hands, which I think is why I was never a, a blue blazer regular, like I, I was, or a surgeon. Like, and I, I really identified with John Parker when they, whenever they show his hand and his, his, his electroid hand, it's like super shaky. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a decision I, I think that that Carl made just for the character that he's got these kind of flippy fingers. Oh, throughout. really? Yeah. Yeah, I wondered what that was. I did have a question uh, because in this scene we see Perfect Tommy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to ask you guys if Perfect Tommy got into a fight with Buckaroo Banzai, who would win? <laughs> because it said, uh, I think a, a little bit later in our minutes here, Bucker, I think Buckaroo Banzai has never been wrong before. Uh-huh. So you got a guy who's never been wrong before versus a guy named Perfect Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. well, I, I think that's, you know, the irony of the character is, you know, we're seeing scenes where, you know, throughout this movie where he's, he's less than perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in fact, like in this scene here, when he finds out uh, that John Parker's going with him uh-huh. on the Yo-Yo Dine uh, raid, he has a funny little look like, oh, I got the alien? Yeah, I was wondering about that look. Yeah. yeah. He's uh the more I watch this movie, the more I feel like perfect time you know, perhaps that that uh code name is a bit ironic. Yeah. <laughs> well I was perfect wondering that too, because he's the only guy that sort of talks back to Bonsai too. Like he's mm. sort of the only guy that questions him. Yeah. You know, like when they're in the in the jail with Penny. Like he sort of he kind of talks back to him and kind of says, Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. And I'm wondering if he meant that ironically. Like, oh, great. You're perfect, Tommy. Perfect, Tommy. Well, do- yeah. doesn't he say later on, he goes, don't embarrass us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one thing about Tommy is, yeah, he's, he's got that sarcastic side. Uh-huh. You know, right, like in the right. press conference, uh, when the, you know, the Secretary of Defense pulls the, pulls the plug <laughs> on his mic and, you know, he's a, you know, he's a wise guy, but... Uh, uh, yeah, the more I watch the movie, the more I think of Tommy as, you know, Buckaroo's pesky kid brother. Mm-hmm. What do we got to do that for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's definitely younger than him. Uh huh. At least you get that feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me see. So, oh, now now we're at the part where we see New Jersey take a puff of <laughs> stuff from that snorkel. He sees John Parker, who mentions only two hundred forty minutes remaining. And we do get this incredulous Goldblum expression. So now, please, if, oh. if you would, Brett. Okay, let me just recalibrate this. I've reset it. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Gentlemen, with, with no dialogue, just just a glance over his shoulder, I'm getting an 8.59. That's not... Seems oh, low, oh, actually. Oh, oh, this is weird, though. Do you see this? I'm going to send this over to you. You guys see the spike right here? That's we're getting we're getting a residual trace of Harold Ramis. <laughs> it's as if there was an echo effect. Harold Ramis is in the room, but he's not. That's ah. Can we consult Tobin's spirit guide about this? I don't know. It's Harold Ramis. <laughs> Maybe Ghostbusters was playing at another theater in the multiplex, but never seen that before. Odd. So with uh, with Goldblum's expression. 
uh, we start to hear the plan. You know, the plan sounds like it's going to be Buckaroo escaping with Penny and the Overthruster. The rest of the team is supposed to 86 Warfin. Now, when was the last time you heard somebody say, I'm going to 86 somebody? In 86. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember when I've heard it used uh, as a transitive verb like that. Or I guess it's been trans, but I've heard people say I've gotten eighty six from a club, or I've been yeah. eighty six. But I've never heard of somebody eighty sixing another person. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I was curious just where that word came from. I look it up uh, on I looked it up on Wikipedia. I found that it was actually originally restaurant slang for "we're oh. out of it." Hmm. Ha. Huh. Wow. So they would say, "Oh, you know, you know, get the you know burger and fries." <laughs> no, no, we're eighty six. Really? Huh. That's what it turned into. So I never me- knew that. Yeah. So maybe like the that. plan is they're going to go to Yo-Yo Dine and steal all their food, <laughs> thus rendering the electroids completely off guard and they couldn't function. So they they know how to hit the electroids exactly where they hurt them the most because we've talked before. You know the electroids love junk food. Yeah. You know, and in the upcoming scenes, we're going to see like, you know, bags and wrappers everywhere. They're just uh-huh. they 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 they're like teenage boys. They're just disgusting. So maybe that's the 86 reference. Um, I just, what, one thing I love about this scene, you know, they don't mention the, you know, the, the blast port that's, a, what, two meters in diameter, <laughs> but uh, they could. But <laughs> I, I never really, this never really hit me before in all the times I've watched it, but it's that, oh, they've done this before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I work at this uh uh, think tank with all these other, you know, <laughs> scientists and engineers, and yeah, and occasionally we go on a hit squad. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, they're just for these. It's another day at the office. Right. You know, well, it's perfect. Like, Tommy loves it too. I mean, he's mentioned on two occasions about strike groups. Yeah. yeah. Which which they're finally going to do right now. Yeah. You know, they they have the Apache group, which is led by Reno, and Chaparral group led by Perfect Tommy. So he does lead them. And yeah. He's used to it. Yeah. And I love that uh, Casper and Scooter are there with them. Like, I love that they just brought him along. Yeah, yeah. Scooter gets to join the strike team, too. <laughs> we'll, we'll see him later exactly what he does. <laughs> we also get this sort of invigorating 80s synth, uh, we can yes. do this <laughs> music <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> accompanying the scene, right? Or accompanying the plan, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a synth version of like a like a high school um, alma mater theme. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is. Dun, da, dun, dun, da, dun, da, dun. You know, it's like, uh, I'll miss all you seniors. <laughs> <laughs> Best years of our lives right here. Class of 86. From mm. uh, World Watch 1, we now, uh, we're back in the hospital. And uh, another reason why we wanted to have both of you from the Indiana Jones Minute on... Oh, it's the only reason. ...is that <laughs> we get to see the president, and of course, played by Ronald Lacey, a.k.a. Tote. That blew me away. I, I've seen this movie, I don't know how many times. I never knew that was Ronald Lacey. And like, he, Brett told me it was Ronald Lacey, and I didn't know it was... Like, I look at him, and I can't see Ronald Lacey. Like, it's, yeah. That guy's so versatile. I, like, it just seems like a completely different person. Well, that's not his voice, though. That's that's yeah. part of the reason why oh. I, I wasn't able to tell. Yeah, oh. he is, he's dubbed. Okay. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The The story goes that Ronnie Lacey did sort of an Orson Welles delivery. <laughs> and so he was just, I don't know, we will sell no wine before it's time. But for whatever reason, <laughs> didn't work. So they got a, apparent, allegedly a nameless, but, you know, or an unnamed, but well-known Hollywood actor. 
really? as doing that voice. It sounds kind of familiar. We haven't been able to place it, but uh, but yeah, by Hoo Hoo Bye. <laughs> love that line. By yeah. Hoo Hoo Bye. Yeah, yeah. By Hoo Hoo Bye. Why do they do that? It's like David Mamet wrote this or something. <laughs> I was just wondering. You're like, I, I watched that maybe three or four times. It's, it's it's hysterical. Yeah. But I can't figure out why it's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Or, or very Dr. Seuss-like also. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. just why, like, I'm trying, I'm imagining much like uh, why you picked Jeff Goldblum. It's like, you know, it's like, why, how, how would you just write that? Wouldn't it be funny if the guy says really quickly, by who, who, by? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's yeah. almost like uh brett you'll you'll appreciate this but like uh there's a noir movie with john garfield called force of evil and thomas gomez yeah and the whole thing was written almost like free verse poetry and a lot of the lines in this remind me of that like it just they're very like they're very consciously written it seems like yeah this this movie has a uh a robert altman feel to it yeah tom of, was yeah. saying that too yeah yeah and I think, yeah, Tom said that last week. And, uh, you know, I felt that way for a long time that, you know, the dialogue is uh, intentionally muffed. You know, it's it's sort of there's mm-hmm. a it's a very realistic, casual. I mean, actually, in this, I believe in the same scene, we have uh, the great Yakov Smirnov yeah. uh, flub a line. Yeah. Which they um, but he flubs it in, a, in such a weird way that doesn't sound like he's flubbing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Strategic Space Command now reports all survey surveilling set it, like the way he says it it's like he's reading a flub it's crazy it's a crazy delivery and i, <laughs> yeah. I love it because it's just so sort of disconcerting and weird yeah and it does it does kind of roll because i mean he's on the phone he's getting information it, it's uh yeah i mean you know richter has uh teasingly called this a docudrama for years hmm. you know basically you know based on the actual events and the you know the files we got on the incident we just tried to recreate it as best we could so uh-huh. uh, i think this is part of that that vision of you know a a science fiction docudrama about you know an alien invasion <laughs> um but but uh going back to to ronald lacy for a minute and pete i understand i i saw the movie many times saw the name in the credits uh-huh. was only maybe a year or two ago that i've realized oh that's the same guy (laughs) i think it's because he's upside down wow that's it yeah if you if you turn him around suddenly okay but here's here's a question since we are dealing with alternate dimensions and time and space Uh is this tote (laughs) (laughs) did it you know at the end of raiders we know he has a little accident but do Uh do the avenging angels say well you you must learn and you know you have to you have to you know it becomes a kafka-esque adventure where it's like you know now you now now you must be president widmark and you know really think about what you're doing and really think about what you're doing you know i I, i'm with pete i didn't have a clue as a matter of fact i did put in you know ronald lacey buckaroo bonsai and i'm like which guy was he yeah yeah. (laughs) and i did a google search Uh images and i was like you're kidding (laughs) (laughs) and and i i don't see it at all i I, as a matter of fact it's wildly confusing it's the hand that's because his hand doesn't have the 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 medallion burned in there there is there is one scene uh, later on where you kind of see him on the side and that sort of distinct mole that tote had Uh, you can see that on the side Uh of his face interesting well he also i mean he they they said he had to shave his head right his tote 
yeah, yeah. and he shaved you can see his the head. Hair. Yeah. And yeah. so so is that that's his real hair then that we're looking at here. Which I guess it, I guess it's just tote with hair <laughs> and a, and, <laughs> and a big mustache. Yeah, yeah and yeah. a big mustache it's just yeah, which makes him look like Tim Conway. That's another factor. <laughs> yeah, it you put a mustache does. on Ronnie Lacey. Yeah, he does. It's, yeah. it's Mr. Tudball from the Carol Burnett show. Well, and then you start calling. You might as well call him Ronnie. Ronnie yeah. Lacey. Ronnie Lacey. Yeah. But, uh, but he looks like he'd, part he'd of the be showing up league. on. Yeah, he, yeah. Last, he looks like he'd show up on Three's Company. Well, have, you guys <laughs> totally. seen, totally. have you guys seen Ronnie Lacey in some of the other stuff? I, I've seen him in Blackadder, and he's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the only place. Yeah, that's where. Drunken, you know, like he was a. Bishop of Bath and Wells in the yeah, episode. That's yeah. right. Yep. <laughs> How I Won the War from 1966 because uh, you know you get to see Tote clowning around with a beetle. Mm. Wow. So that's really weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not playing Tote, but uh-huh. um, you know, one thing here, I I think you get a slight clue that it's it's Tote or or Mr. Lacey. Uh-huh. You know, because even though he's dubbed, there are certain lines that. You know, I mean, I'm assuming the the voice actor was just kind of, you know, copying the cadence because it's 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 a little ahead here. But, you know, he says, you know, thank you. That was food for thought. (laughs) And you now picture. Thank you, Fraulein. That was (laughs) food for thoughts. (laughs) Nick. Yeah, Nick. Nick. (laughs) I mean, you know, let's. Uh, when we're done here, let's do it. Let's let's redub all his lines as Toad. So, you know, well, b- before we get there, though, we have to talk a little bit about uh, some of the gifts that we see in this room because it kind of oh, yeah. adds to the surreal quality of oh, everything yeah. that's going on. I mean, here you've got a president who's flat on his back, and you know all this crazy stuff's going on. But no, he's got this this lovely you know bunch of gifts. You know, well wishers uh, have sent an American flag made out of roses. Yeah, <laughs> or, or maybe carnations. And I, I was looking at this, and I, I was thinking, well, okay, you know, where, where can you buy this? And instead, I found a place. Apparently, it's in Lompoc, California. Oh. And back in 2002, they actually planted one of the largest floral flags as a tribute to 9-11. And it contained wow. more than 400,000 larkspur plants and measured 740 by 390 feet. So 6.5 wow. acres. It's the, one of the biggest <laughs> American flags made out of uh, flowers you'll ever see. Yeah. Wow. Well, to me, it looked like a uh, something like in the twenties or thirties, like one of the gangsters would have, like at his funeral, right? Like yeah. something like we're super patriotic, like we're gonna we're gonna show what kind of citizens we are, and they'd always have those giant floral arrangements. I gotta say, I didn't think it was either of those things. I actually actually thought it was an American flag pinata. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that though. Yeah, I can see of, that. Yeah. yeah. Like a pinata. Now, I guess, I, I, I guess there people would have a problem with you know opening up an American flag pinata with a baseball bat. But I mean, if there's delicious caramels inside, why not? But uh, this is a weird room. I yeah. mean, yes. it it looks like the lobby of a Marie Calendars. <laughs> oh my god! And yeah, you you look at all these little things in the background, and it's. It's like he's in the children's ward. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like that someone's treating the president like he's eight years old and he's got a, you know, an American flag pinata. And, you know, (laughs) there is a slight hint in the script and in a line that Buckaroo says earlier that um, the president 
was delusional after his surgery. He was kind of mm. out of it. There was a sort of strange Lovian angle that, you know, you couldn't depend on him because after surgery he was he was Gonsville. He was bonkers. Mm. Uh-huh. So uh, ah. Ah. But yeah, it's 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 weird. <laughs> yeah. And you know the uh, the name of the general that you see there? His name is Catbird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. We saw him uh, the last time in the very beginning minutes where he was about to go and play golf during that oh, uh, right. yeah, that's scene right. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I love General Catbird and his whole over-the-top delivery. Yeah. And see if, you, if this registers with you guys because he reminds me of dads I knew. Not my dad. But dads of friends in the seventies and eighties of, of kids I knew that uh-huh. sort of you know, you know, Judas Priest. What are you listening to that music for? Yeah. Oh, it's Judas Priest. Oh well, but you know, back in my day it was Bill Haley and the Comets. That's what's wrong with you kids? Heavy metal. You know, he just there's a he just Catbird just seems like you know the ultimate uptight dad. Yeah, you know, mow the lawn again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he kept reminding me of Richard Widmark for some reason too, which was funny because it's President Widmark. That's interesting. I think oh. you're, they're mm-hmm. vibing on something. Yeah, I could see a like yeah, there's a little bit of a Widmark vibe or a. I think he's a. I think he's a B movie Robert Duvall. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to him, but you know, like when you have this production, you know, it is the '80s, so it's like a a POW rescue movie filmed in uh, Puerto Vallarta around 1985 <laughs> with Fred Dwyer, and uh, you know, it's called Rescue the POWs, <laughs> and you can't get Robert Duvall as the general, so you get this guy as the general. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> Has there ever been a moment in history when someone said, "Let's not panic," when everybody didn't panic? <laughs> no that's that's right yeah (laughs) because i mean immediately once he says that you know the room gets the red light so my my question here is did they just install those in the room for panic purposes (laughs) yeah (laughs) i have to say though that is the world's most soothing alarm like i i love that it's like yeah like i I want that as my alarm (laughs) you know i i love that i think later in the movie Worfen actually uses the word klaxon. Hmm. Like for yeah, an alarm. He does. Like he the says, alarm turn off that goes off. Yeah, the yeah. alarm goes off. He's like, turn off that klaxon. Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you never hear that yeah. word. <laughs> yeah. It's a throwback to like the forties. With an like Italian civil defense. accent, no less. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think of that device that he's got the you know the thing that seems to go from DEFCON five to two? <laughs> Yeah. It'd be a fun thing to just sort of have on your desk. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the the note I have here, so we see that the Russians have now just gone from DEFCON 5 to 2. Uh, in U.S. history, apparently, uh, they've only gone to DEFCON 2 twice before. Uh, once was during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. And can you name the other time? Yes. It, uh, wow. was uh, during War Games. Um, <laughs> God, that's a great question. With Joshua, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was no. it? What was the other time? I think I might know. Operation Desert Storm. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Not really. Mm-hmm. That was a DefCon because we were we were kicking butt in that one. Yeah, I guess they were, you know, just making sure that nobody else was going to get involved too much, so they got really, uh, really prepared. Pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did it during the planning stage. Like, I think they were just like crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's kind of thing. 
See, folks, you learn so much from these podcasts. <laughs> it's not just the movie, but world history and gold bloomometers. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you appreciate all this. We, we work our tails off for you. And then there's a couple of characters in this scene that get scared. Uh, one of them is acted. The other one, I think, uh, just kind of happened. Notice that Senator Cunningham, that's the woman, she gets startled uh-huh. by the Marine Guard. And that, <laughs> yeah. that looks real. I don't think that was planned. Yeah, that does look real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but General Catbird is scared. He's barely holding his fudge. <laughs> <laughs> like that line. Yeah, I yeah. wish he hadn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it, I mean, uh, I feel like that could be one of those old-timey sayings as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what my I grandma mean, always used to say. Oh, fudge. Yeah, just kind of. <laughs> I, I, I like that all those, all those old-timey swear words, like clean swear words, were literally, you could tell they were just saying, like, the equivalent in their mind. Right, right. Yeah, and that's Catbird, uh, you know, is the kind of guy who uses all those old-fashioned swear mm-hmm. words, you know. Jiminy yeah. Christmas. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but of is, course, is that, it... that allows uh, Cunningham to then uh, bring up her line to snap him back into his yeah, senses. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and then President Tote has that great line where he says he's glad that somebody has the balls to face facts. Now, that is a line that would be awesome if delivered in a Tote voice. Yeah. Yes. Right, yeah. yeah. Right, he would do the honors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just glad someone has, has the balls <laughs> to face the facts, Fraulein. Uh, Nick. <laughs> Nick, Nick, <laughs> you know, thank you, thank you. No, 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 sit down, please. It's unnecessary. But I think, you know, last week when we had Tom on, it, I his his tote is far superior to my tote. <laughs> yeah, his tote's good. Uh, yeah, his tote's his, good. <laughs> you know, in fact, you know, the institute has developed a toteometer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the institute is. I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, we need it. Maybe you can use it on your show. The institute would be happy if you could beta test it for them, and uh, just kind of see where Tom's at on the toteometer. <laughs> well, do you have a uh, electroidometer? Because I have a couple of suspicions about a couple of other people in this movie. You oh. know, uh, that's the funny thing. The institute. Uh, You'd think they have the technology, but there's there's something where they're they're blanketing it. It's like okay. no, we don't want to. It's like they're saying, no, no, there's no more electroids around. They're all gone. They all left in '84. So yeah. what what do you got? What do you got? <laughs> well, first of all, I was first of all wondering if Smirnoff might be electroid, because it seems like oh. an actual electromagnetic pulse would have caused the power to go out everywhere. Like especially the you hmm. know like everybody's electronic ignitions would have stopped working. All yeah. the electronics in the White House would have stopped because I don't think they probably all would have been shielded in 1985. So it seems like an electromagnetic pulse would have had a lot different effects. I'm wondering if he's feeding disinformation. Hmm. Interesting. I I I like the whole you know uh, double agent aspect of of uh, National Security Advisor Smirnov because he he suddenly disappears. Yeah. You never see him again. Yeah, he ran back uh, to yeah. I we do know that that Yakov Smirnov until recently had his own theater. In That's Branson, in Branson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I think was called the America What a Country Theater. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, let's see. We, we now move from the hospital where uh, we got a couple of scenes here to go. Uh, the jet car, we see Buckaroo's yeah. ready to go. I love the, the music that accompanies him uh, at this point. And then Perfect Tommy has his Don't Embarrass Us line. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you guys notice when he says that and Buckaroo says, have I ever? <laughs> there, there are two distinct voices. 
that's why I wonder if he also has some Lectroid in him. So you he, heard he, that too. His voice does the exact same distortion thing that Lazardo's does. Yes. Yes, it does. So I was wondering if when he went into the eighth dimension, if something kind of latched onto him as well. Whoa. Yeah, that might really explain why he's he goes, so have I powerful. ever? And it's, yeah. it's like, uh, it's, it's two tracks. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's got that same, and Lazardo was doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah Once I, I again, wonder... the Mummert effect takes place. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to wow. go back and listen to that on the on the Blu-ray and see if that's there or if that was just kind of an artifact. Oh, that yeah, that'd be when, interesting. It, when it got converted. <laughs> yeah, that'd be huh. interesting. It's yeah. weird. Do you know where they filmed this scene, by the way? No. It, this blew me away. When you're driving down the five and you pass, uh, there's a the Citadel, the giant outlet store with all those Assyrian relief statues oh, on it, yeah. the big electronic signs. Yeah, that's not this. far from me. Boom. Yeah. That's really? the, that was the old abandoned Firestone plant. Wow. And that became the Citadel, which is huh. crazy, like seeing all these warehouses. And I think, I, I was mentioning Corvette Summer, but I think there's a place like right across the street from here too where there's like this crazy like Corvette, vintage Corvette dealership you pass. And so this is kind of a cool time warp. Wow. Hmm. Run by the Kim Milford character in Corvette Summer. At the end of Corvette Summer... You know, when his chop shop shut down, he he eventually ends up in L.A. selling vintage Corvettes that he stole. <laughs> but uh, that's in Corvette Summer Two, <laughs> uh, which um, Electric Boogaloo, yeah, yeah, starring Jake Lloyd. But that's another movie <laughs> in, <laughs> in another dimension. I'm I'm fascinated by the the Buckaroo Lectroid Factoroid. Oh yeah, it's you can hear it. It's yeah, it's, it's wild. It's clear. I love the pull tab on the vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. You know, it's a it's a sort of a low budget movie and it I think they <laughs> they embrace it and give everything a low budget look. There's a lot of scenes where you see things that are duct tape in the background and you just you kinda in this scene you kinda get to see some detail of the jet car and you you just say to yourself yeah, I don't think we want to go above 500 miles an hour in that thing. <laughs> that canopy looks like it's ready to just like a pull top on an old Coors can there. Well, it has been through the eighth dimension, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and could, you know, I mean, yeah, Buckaroo's been through the eighth dimension. He's been uh, electro electrically charged by the electroids. Could that, mm-hmm. could that voice echo still be some resident... Um, uh, ionization oh um, maybe but yeah. uh that's interesting about the um yeah, the hearing the, the echo yeah. that's in- yeah because yeah. yeah. what's what's I, I i i as many times as i've seen this i'm still not entirely sure what's going on with lizardo like is is it just john wharf and his sort of occupying emilio lizardo's body yeah yeah okay. that's pretty much it yeah when when he when he had that failed experiment uh, in 1938, he got sucked halfway through, uh-huh. and uh, one of the electroids in there, I guess, possessed him, and so mm. he's he's stuck in the in the body of Lizardo. But the thing is, Lizardo's supposed to be like an old man by this time, because I think he was in his 20s in 1938, oh, right. yeah. and so now yeah. this is well, he's in his 70s. Uh, but but yeah, you know this this king warrior in an old man's crippled body. And hence, he looks like an old goth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. there you go. I I just wanted to add to that, you know, have I ever line that 
you know, reviewing it, to me, there's a there's a tone of sincerity. Like he's actually asking, well, have I ever let you down? You know, I think that's, <laughs> uh, to me, that fits Buckaroo Banzai. It sounds uh-huh. initially sort of arrogant, have I ever? But I think, you know, he's actually just, well, have I, have I ever let you down? Let me know. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> And it's yeah again Tommy being the the bratty kid brother, yeah yeah you know. And then we move on to Yo-Yo Dine. So this is uh, showing the versatility, I guess, of uh, Ellen Barkin's acting as Penny, because uh, she's getting dragged by John O'Connor in the sewer-looking area, uh, and it's it it's kind of heartbreaking <laughs> hearing the anguish of Penny in this scene. Uh, I, the note that I have here, though is if you look carefully, so you see Penny tries to escape, and then she, she gets stopped by another kind of smallish employee. So can you tell, is that supposed to be a man or a woman? Hmm. I mean, I... I think it's oh, a guy. Oh, you're right. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked it looked familiar. I was taking a, taking a look at it, and then I thought, you know what? That kind of looks like Melissa McCarthy playing Sean Spicer. It, I know <laughs> what you're saying. It does. I'm looking at it right now. It does. <laughs> Wow, yeah. Right out of the <laughs> park for Horowitz. Yeah. 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 Good night. That that was it. Horowitz hits one in the ninth. And that's it. We can all go home. Nice one. You know, I wondered does that look like a pit? The, 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 he's, he's like well, take it to the pit. And you get down there and you're like Kind of a pit. Well, the place is the pit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just like when Warfin says basement, it's just not as scary. Take it to the basement. Yeah. yeah. Take it to the elevator <laughs> shaft. In the novel, it is actually like a pit somewhere in the deep in the bowels. An of actual the pit. Yeah. Oh, I'm wondering, maybe they're not there yet. I'm, I, but, I mean, is there intention to drown her right there in, in like, uh, you know, eight inches of water? Is that is that what is about to happen? <laughs> No, I think they're just leading her to the pit. Maybe they're just leading her. Yeah, yeah, but doesn't he kind of, uh, one of the bad guys, uh, kind of shove her face down in the water after he says he's sick of her? Yeah. Yeah. They're meanies. Yeah, they're just ge- just yeah. general, yeah. <laughs> general meanies. The pit does have a very, to me, a very big trouble vibe to it. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Like one of the hells, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And just, yeah, of course, you know, the way this is lit, um, you know, bowels of the earth, and sure, mm-hmm. but it it still has that '80s neon accents and splashes. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna get a lot of that later. A lot of green. Yeah, and yeah. But yeah, let's let's put a a, a fancy light on the uh, on the water. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a rare scene where the the interior matches the exterior because I think I read that this was also inside the Firestone plant, the abandoned Firestone plant, where the exterior oh, wow. was filmed. Hmm. Wow, cool. Yeah, might as well use it. Yeah, as long pretty, as you're there. Pretty yeah. Pretty yeah. Looking, yeah. <laughs> and it's weird because, like, when you go to the OC today, I don't know if this is the OC or South LA County, but, like, it, you don't see a lot of this, like, this industrial stuff around there anymore. Like, now it's all kind of beige stucco. Hmm. And it's, it's kind of a nice little time capsule. Hmm. That's yeah. neat. I feel like we're, we're also just, we took a brief little detour into David Lynch land here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we just, uh, just a, just a brief visit to the Black Lodge and then we're, then we're back. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, move on actually to the hospital. We're back with President Tote 
because they've been actually watching that bubble wrap recording, <laughs> courtesy of Mrs. Johnson. Thank you, Fraulein Johnson. Yeah, this is where he has the line that, that's very toad-like. You know. It's certainly food for thought. <laughs> you know. Fraulein Johnson. Fraulein Johnson. Well, he's got that little conch shell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the, the, the record like, player thing. Yeah, on the record, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, all of the, the Lectroid artifacts all kind of have this uh, coral-like sort of... Uh, crustacean look to it yeah uh-huh. from their ships to you know even the pipe that john o'connor smokes later and yeah yeah here's an example of it as well well i have to say i love their uh not in these minutes but i love their sort of german expressionist those tall tables they sit at with those yeah. super tall mm. chairs yeah like something out of dr seuss yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, but uh, yeah the device now shows that the russians have gone to defcon one the moment is upon us but Here's my question. So, okay, so they just watched the video from uh, John M. Dahl. And so they should know at this point that it's really the Black Electroids doing this and it's not the Russians. So couldn't they just take the nukes for the survival of humanity instead of retaliating against the Russians? Why do they have to shoot back? Well, in, well, in 84, you got to shoot back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the principle of the thing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like we we paid a lot of money for these H-bombs. We might as well use them. I, I love how the little device says, you're all-purpose storm kit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I noticed that, too. I I could have sworn at some point, maybe this is in the, the director commentary, but apparently, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there there is a you know short form declaration of war in an emergency wow. situation really? yeah <laughs> oh it's, that's funny you know it's like yeah we we got to go you know just yeah sign here <laughs> well my my favorite little space there it says name of enemy yeah. that's yeah. awesome <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's, but i could see that you probably would have to have one of those yeah i mean that's yeah. that, that's uh i could see that you look quick. Uh, here's my name. Here's the date, time of day, yeah. name of enemy. All right, good. Yeah, just to, when it when the hey! totally hit the fan. Yeah, and it's like you're you're down to the speaker of the house's nephew is uh-huh. the president. And it's like okay, you know who do we got? Bulgaria. Really? It was Bulgaria? Okay, Bulgaria. <laughs> we don't like you. I signed it. What right, can we? Right. You know what can we send him? A, a monkey on a tricycle, but boy, he's going to be pedaling really fast. He'll show. <laughs> because in the end, you have to have paperwork showing date, time of day, and the name of the enemy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. On a little a little piece of paper like that'll be found. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but beneath all the ashes, yeah, they find. Yeah. It. Yeah. The, the interesting little bit about this one, apparently. Uh, the prop guy on the film created this as a prop. He was he was very proud of it. They they make a big deal about this on the Blu-ray. This uh, declaration of war, the short form. <laughs> yeah. Eric Nelson. Eric Nelson. Right. Prop, prop master Eric Nelson. I'm right. gonna I, just I'm gonna maybe do a brief tangent because you guys are a little younger than me, and you know Cold War 2.0. How was that for you guys? Did you, did uh, you know, like, did you watch the day after and get freaked oh, out? Totally. Or, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Did you yeah. guys, as like, kids, did you lose some sleep? Oh, Red, yeah. Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. There's that World War III miniseries on TV. 
Oh, yeah. Like started off in Alaska with the Russians and everyone's wearing white camouflage and machine gunning each other. Uh, it was, you know what? I, we grew up thinking that at any moment, <laughs> annihilation could happen. Uh-huh. And it was just one of those, uh, I don't know what you did. I guess you tried not to think about it. But when yeah. you when you, when you you learned about like, you know, at first, well, what do you mean like a nuclear warhead? Or, well, what would happen if, you know, and, and, and you watch these movies and you read articles about it and the kids, like what were those little kids things you'd get, uh, you know, you'd get as like a sixth grader and you'd read them on Friday afternoons with Daily Nihilist. <laughs> whatever, whatever it was. they'd be, be like no they'd be like a, a a world you know the the world in review or something like that and and you'd read you know and there's always be something usually on the soviet union and, and sometimes it'd be like you know what a, what's a day in the life of you know a, a soviet child your age <laughs> you know and and it's like eating gruel and eating, <laughs> yeah and yeah exactly. the snow with no shoes <laughs> exactly and <laughs> he can't you know he's he has to turn in his parents yeah. if they yeah. you know roll through a stop sign or yeah whatever. he <laughs> wants to worship god and he's not yeah. allowed yeah. <laughs> my name is piotr i do not play games <laughs> I help build big fighter jets. <laughs> exactly. And no, it was, it was, uh, I don't even know how, I, I mean, if, if this sounds r- ridiculous, but if you said, hey, the world ended in 1985, you know, from nuclear disaster, I'd be like, uh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's totally the way it easy. felt. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a guarantee, but you're like, yeah, I mean, we we're all taught like one slip of the finger or one miscommunication or if, you know, if if, yeah. if there's some, you know, ghost in the machine with technology and, and all of a sudden it reads that they've fired missiles where we're, of course, going to shoot back before and we only have six minutes yeah, so that we can't really check it out. We just right. have to... Uh, it's kind of like what happened recently in Hawaii, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's like you only have 15 minutes to decide and, you, you know, so. But like every and, single kid in school watched the day after when that came out. Like I, that was like everybody watched Oh, that. yeah. And I remember they said the president is watching the day after too. And it was like, mm-hmm. that was like such a huge, huge earth turning event. Well, I, I thought it was chilling. I remember hearing a couple of years ago about uh, something that came very close back in like early 80s on the Russian side, that it really it came down to the decision of one of the people who was operating, I, I guess, the, the Russian nuclear missiles, uh-huh. who he, he got a, an indication that, oh, you know, the, the missiles were coming and, you know, should we go ahead and fire? Mm-hmm. And he decided to, well, thank goodness, <laughs> yeah, to, to, to hold off. I, I think... Uh, it was kept quiet for many years, and then, you know, after the fall of communism, then they finally uh, revealed that that had happened, and he was like, you know, an unsung hero. I mean, crazy. Mm. It it could have gone very differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been listening to uh, the book Command and Control, which is about a lot of these near misses, like the near mm. nuclear misses, and they're terrifying. And, like, how many times, you know, like, birds would set off a radar in Alaska and they would think they were incoming ICBMs and it was like just nuts like mm-hmm. how trigger like how much of a hair trigger we were all on yeah when i feel like we were taught that it could go any way at any moment yeah you know that that was sort of the culture of it like that, for whatever reason i guess realistic you know or or not whatever you feel that that's how it felt and that's what i feel like everybody thought and that's how we're sort of that was the experience so do you think then that for audiences watching this film back in the 80s that this probably hit harder for them 
Yeah, I think so. It would have, yeah. it would have had a little more relevance than than now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can imagine how scary it would have been for for you you guys back then. So, hmm. sorry. <laughs> Stupid General Catbird and his pals. <laughs> well, uh, we we just have one more scene to really go over uh, before these minutes are up, and we do get a, a quick glimpse of the speech that happens inside Yo-Yo Dine, and that is Warfin, uh, who is clearly supposed to look like Mussolini, complete with all those medals on his jacket. <laughs> Uh, and, and he begins, his speech could begin <laughs> in a way where if you just heard it and you ne- knew nothing about this movie, you'd probably be offended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and speaking of the Soviet Union, that looks like some piece of Russian hardware, that big unsightly microphone that you could kill somebody with. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could hit a baseball yeah. with that across the park. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and it also just is another piece of evidence to me that electroids red electroids are really stupid (laughs) (laughs) and like you know he's making this speech and it's you know it's it's not exactly like you know ask not what you can do for your country it's it's like (laughs) (laughs) like, he's a he's a big dummy uh delivering a speech to uh a bunch of little dummies and um Hmm, that sounds familiar. Well, I don't think he gets the rousing kitar music. <laughs> no, he does behind his 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 speech and plan. <laughs> it is interesting though because the the imagery is so Soviet. Like he's got all the the red yeah. medals with the star, mm-hmm. and like the the it looks very much like a Cold War era Soviet overcoat. Well, and they tell you he's kind of like an Adolf Hitler ish, yeah. uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Right. So and they're the like- Reds. Right, yeah. right. That's right. And he's kind of yelling like he's apoplectic, and he's, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and you know, well, it is. Like... It is. Yeah, it's literally 1984. So you you sort of see him as like a character from 1984. Uh-huh. Or, uh-huh. You know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like the electroid at the, you know, below him. He's looking up with that kind of blank expression of <laughs> awe from that deck chair. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, there's there's my point. Is is it awe or is it just sort of a you know a mouth breathing? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's I mean, saying it could just things be I the... think I want to hear. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just the expression and the look of the uh, of the electroids themselves. Uh, you know, the big sort of black eyes and. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I mean, you know, kind of makes them look like they're gaping. Yeah, yeah it this does. is true. <laughs> uh, they got shark eyes. You you guys have uh, <laughs> talked quite a bit about sharks in uh, your weekend podcast. So would you, that's right. You know they they remind me a little about the those you know those rollback eyes you see on a great white. So. <laughs> Doll's eyes. Doll's eyes. Doll's eyes. <laughs> well, with that, uh, gentlemen, we have gotten through our five minutes. Uh, so I wanted to thank both of you, Jerry and to Pete, for coming onto the show, and it's been a blast talking about bonsai and many other things <laughs> yeah thank you this was fun I, I oh gosh about this i don't want too. it to end let's keep going what else can we talk about <laughs> well we can we can actually talk about um you know where our guests can find uh, jerry and pete well you can find us the same place you find brett and josh and just wherever you find podcasts you can find the indiana jones minute or if that doesn't work for you just check out indiana jones minute.com Head to your local podcast store, wherever good yes. podcasts are, are <laughs> yeah, sold. Yeah, exactly. Yep. High end. High end. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, no, uh, Indiana Jones Minute is covering uh, Last Crusade right now, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So everybody, please go over there and, and well, check them you. out. Thank and you. their Patreon, too. <laughs> and your Patreon show on the weekends, great yeah. stuff. And you, and you guys, you. with this season, you guys are just zooming through it. One thing I noticed, it was that, like you didn't take a break. It was <laughs> just like, <laughs> <laughs> Jumping right back in. Jumping right back in, and... Uh, it's good stuff. If, folks, if you haven't heard the Indiana Jones Minute, what's your deal? <laughs> you owe it to yourself. Yeah, really. Get to it. Don't be a red electroid about it, okay? <laughs> don't, right. don't embarrass me, Pete. <laughs> wow. I like that's almost a quote from uh, Indiana Jones in, uh, when they're in the shaman's house. Oh, yeah, Doom, exactly. when he's telling Willie not to embarrass him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. <laughs> uh, but uh, as far as our podcast, uh, please, you can visit us at 5minutesofbonsai.com. You can check us out on Facebook at 5 Minutes of Bonsai and uh, Twitter at 5 Minutes Bonsai. We also have a listeners group on Facebook called the 5 Minutes of Bonsai Bunkhouse. So please come check it out today and you can join and uh, talk about all sorts of stuff, including electroids and uh, and the Declaration of War, the short form, and whatever you like. <laughs> We're so here. This is a weekly podcast, so please subscribe to us on iTunes so you can get new episodes every Tuesday. And while you're on iTunes, please leave us your highest review possible. It helps spread the word about the podcast, and we do appreciate it. And uh, one thing I we haven't mentioned in a while, actually, uh, shout-outs to uh, the Star Wars Minute, who uh, really started this format of the whole Movies by Minutes uh, thing that's become a bit of a phenomenon. There's probably over 70 uh, different Movies by Minutes podcasts out there, and you can check them all out if you go to moviesbyminutes.com. So uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? Thank you for having me. I finally watched this <laughs> movie. <laughs> Thanks, it wasn't anything like I thought it would be, uh, you know, when I was in sixth grade in 1985. So I'm glad <laughs> it took a minute, but I got there. I got there. And, uh, all right. I just I just want to say, uh, Pete, uh, if you look out your window, you see a drone hovering. And uh, yes, the Institute, I sent a message to the Institute to Excellent. send it over. That's, that's your totometer. Excellent. So yeah, enjoy. I, enjoy. I, I just moved and I now live about 20 blocks from Brett. So that yeah. drone doesn't have too far to fly. Yeah, we're, nice. we're practically neighbors. Yeah, we're, we yeah. play drone tennis all the time out here <laughs> in the neighborhood. So. Uh, and yeah, thanks for being on the show, guys. Uh, oh, thank you. It was an absolute joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Right. Well, this is World Watch One signing off. Tune in next time for another five minutes of bonsai. And remember, no, no matter, matter where you go, go, there you are. Remember, no, no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> well done. Nick. <Yeah. laughs>